We are Banta Savvy, your weekly source of stories, humor, and news. Today, we're going to talk to you about research done on orphans on American soil in World War II. Everyone, crack your beer and take it away, Tyler. <laughs> All right. So today, I'm going to uh, present my weekly very sad story. <laughs> Everyone else does less sad stories. So <laughs> what I've got here for you guys is in 1939, the University of Iowa had a professor. His name, I believe, was on another page, Johnson, <laughs> Wendell Johnson. I would expect no one to know this, but Wendell Johnson, just to give context for this story, was renowned for this research. He got the University of Iowa's Institute on Speech and Hearing Disorders named after him. Wow. He wrote numerous books and a hundred journal, journal articles. He served as the editor for at least two prestigious journals. And he also wrote the entry on speech disorders in the encyclopedia. Oh, wow. So that is... That's a big deal. Yeah, that's pretty high praise, right? Yeah. Now, let me tell you why he doesn't deserve it. <laughs> Fair enough. Let me just tell. ruin everyone's day here. So in 1939, I'm going I'm to lay out first the purpose of the study, as described presumably by him and his student undergraduate who helped, which I believe was named Mary Tudors Jacobs along with Wendell Johnson. So those are our two uh, anti-heroes for this story. Perfect. So <laughs> what Johnson intended to do was he wanted to, after having been a stutterer himself for a lifetime, wanted to prove definitively that a stutter could both be caused and cured. So what they did was they took orphans, <laughs> which you can so. tell as the, the pretext of the story that it's going to be great, and I believe they were from the Iowa Soldiers Orphans Home. Oh my goodness. I want to say they're not orphans of war, but hey, the story is already sad. Let's go for that. I can't <laughs> confirm it, but let's just assume. He took 22 orphans, all of them, every single one, normal speakers. So they were completely fine speakers. That is the only time in the story you're going to hear me say that, that they were completely fine. Just all old humans. They were normal children yes <laughs> like some of them were barely 15 a lot of them were under 10 they're very young and they were all perfectly fine at speech there's no issues by 1939 standards or today's standards so here's what they did they took 11 of them put them in one group they took 11 of them put them in another group and what they decided to do to, to test this was that they took the first group of 11 and I'm just going to, I'm going to actually read out part of what they did. What they, what they intended to do was to reinforce positive behavior on the 11 and then also induce constant belittle, belittling and badgering and correction. And they describe it as rapid fire badgering yeah, on the other 11. There's pressure, right? Yeah. Yes. And that's basically what they said is they, he assumed via his own struggles that a stutter was introduced or induced, sorry, psychologically. So you could have someone cause you a stutter where to be upfront, I'll give the spoilers. Nowadays, we, we assume that it's at least a little bit psychological, but there's also genetics and a physical component to it. There's literally a part in your body that causes a stutter okay. uh, and they can't cause it. They can't cure it. They, oh. they don't have that much knowledge done on it, but let me leave some of that information for the end here. So some of what they say to the first 11, the positive 11, I will refer to them. You'll outgrow the stuttering. You will be able to speak even much better than you are speaking now. Pay no attention to what others say about your speaking ability, for undoubtedly they do not realize that it is only a phase. Well, now that sounds incredibly positive, right? 
Yep. Yeah. So that's a script. I was like, clickbait. <laughs> it sounds like clickbait. Yeah. So that was a, a script. The, the person who I believe did those actual sessions with the children, they were one-on-one, -on -one, was Mary Tudor Jacobs, who I mentioned earlier, the graduate student. student. That was what she would say in part to the positive kids over those 45-minute sessions. And one-on-one -on -one and quite nice. Like if somebody said that to me, I'd be like, thanks. Thank you. <laughs> we all good. Yeah, you're, you speak good. You're, you're, everything wrong with you, Matt, just a face. <laughs> <laughs> now, let me, uh, let, me, let me just ruin your guys' day here with what they would say to the students that they would brand as stutterers mm. and that they would beat down because of their speech patterns, which I said I would only say it once. I want to say it again. They, none of them in either group had any speech issues. Right. Oh, so neither group had, neither neither. Group had okay, actual so speech issues. hearing it then? If They're neither causing had. it. I oh, know, but I thought they were going to cause and cure. They, they had to but... cause it first and then cure it. Why the did they do cure it later? Okay, after they that makes it. no sense to me. But. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, well the, the person doing the study had a stutter and he had suspicions about what, it could, what could cause it and what could cure it. So his study was done basically on completely like blind children with no speech issues. Right, you were trying to prove that it was If you could cause it, that means you could cure it, essentially. He said, like, if, if you can give some, well, we know now it's 100% not true. Uh, but at the time, 1939, they were still smoking in operating rooms. Yep. Washing hands was, was very optional. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, he, yeah, he, he assumed, like, if you could use therapy to cause a stutter, you could use therapy again later on to cure it and get rid of a stutter in someone if, if possible. So, again, this is all a script. Mary Tudor Jacobs had to do this with each of these 22 students in either the positive light or the negative light. So here's what she would say to the negative ones. The staff has come to the conclusion that you have a great deal of trouble with your speech. You have many of the symptoms of a child who is beginning to stutter. You must try to stop yourself immediately. Use your willpower. Do anything to keep from stuttering. Don't ever speak unless you can do it right. No. You see how the name of the child at the institution who was stuttered very badly, stutters, don't you? Well, he undoubtedly started this very same way. So she would use things like that in the script as rapid fire badgering is what they described it as. Okay. That, that's part of the, the very directed one-way speech that she would use. But also whenever the child would speak, they would offer almost nonsensical corrections. So just picture like any word that come out of your mouth, someone would say it was wrong. No, that's wrong. Can you just say it right? Yeah, no, sorry. That's not how you say it. Not even a word. That's a, no, you did it wrong again. I'm sorry. Like, is, is that not brutal? That's awful. That's and awful. Like, that makes you feel like shit. That makes like, you feel like absolute shit. Yeah. Experiments fall to begin with because, okay, you're teaching somebody that already knows how to speak fine and trying to get them to start up by telling them they're doing it wrong is not the way to do it. Like, should well, it well that's, that's the whole part of the study theory. is the, 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 the theory, the thesis by Wendell Johnson, and by your position on this, you're going to be real disappointed by how the story ends. Probably. You're going to hate it. His whole thesis was it was caused in people, like people who had stutters had it done to them. Basically, they could speak fine and then someone was like, or something happened. Someone or something happened like, that made them stutter. They were traumatized. Yeah, I guess that's the anything like that. So, so when he took these kids, if he could cause one single stutter in one of them, that would prove his thesis. Yeah, okay, fair enough. And, and he created that, like, almost, a, I think the term is a double blind, where he would have those positive reinforcements because he wanted to prove, like, none of these kids will ever have stutters because they were very positive. And he suspected that all of the kids that they talked to negatively would get stutters because of the badgering and the correction and, and 
and and the self-imposing so stutter because they're trying to think of how to say it properly not because of like trauma well i guess it's trauma it's it is, yeah it yeah. could be a, a variety of trauma but yeah they, like i have no confidence to speak therefore i stutter and, and that's that yeah. was his his that theory in 1939 yeah so that that's a large part of it so the the studies were very brutal <laughs> as you can imagine they they went actually the majority of their lives most of the information i have in this is revealed kind of in a 2003 article it was only in 2003 that light came about that these studies even took place wow. so with everything i've told you now realize that they were in 1939 when it happened very young children most of them have lived whole lives and 17 years old died yeah. majority of them yeah 65 years and only in the year 2000 did they actually get told what happened they didn't know oh. that it was that study. They didn't know that happened to them. They went the majority of their lives not knowing that. That's insane. That's I mean, pretty insane. Yeah. It was only, and the University of Iowa actually covered it up. They hid the results. It was never peer reviewed. Everything was tucked nicely away because obviously this is fucking brutal. But did they <laughs> like pin it all on this guy? Well, here's the thing. Is, like, boom, this is ridiculous. I, I actually don't know if he died before or after, but he is now deceased. I don't yeah, know if in 2000 he died before, 2000 he died after, but in 1939 he was a full-fledged professor at the University so of Iowa. So he's probably gone at this point. Yeah, yeah probably uh, I do know Mary Tudor Jacobs was alive at the time of this article, and she was actually quoted as saying that she has deep regret about what happened. Uh, she says even... Between 1940 and 1950, she had actually gone back. These studies actually only took place over like six months, but the results were lifetimes of damages. Oh, for sure. Uh, right. They were only like, if I'm not mistaken, I believe I read that they took like 45 minutes once a month and they were catastrophic to almost all of these. It was children. 45 minutes once a month. Yeah, what were the results yeah. of the, yeah, what, yeah. what happened? So, so Mary Tudor Jacobs went back three times between 1940 and 1950 because she had deep regret about it and she tried to go back and correct what happened. She went back and tried to do the positive script with all of the kids who were in the negative group. So like five, six, seven years later. Yeah. At several times in that 10 year period, oh, 10 years. She, she went back at least three times that she says, and she says she, she tried to like go back and, and reaffirm and like, you're doing fine. You know, there's nothing wrong with your speech. You're okay. And nothing. A lot of them wouldn't talk to her. A lot of them chose well, not to. A lot of them. Especially I want to see you, Mary. Yeah. yeah. There's somebody else going back to do, to like, to do that. Because <laughs> yeah. like, if I saw the person that gave me the abuse, yeah. I was trying to be like, you're fine. It's yeah. okay. I'm fine. Yeah. I'd be like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The fuck out exactly. of <laughs> yeah. a year, A year older or 10 years older, I'd be like, uh, no. Yeah. Your your opinion is not that important to me. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, as a result of this, to, to bounce back, I wanted to, to give that insight here because it was important for the story later. Right. The main person as part of the lawsuit against them, there were three specific <laughs> children that came back later in age and actually like started this lawsuit against the University of Iowa, of which, by the way, University of Iowa got off scot-free because in 1939, they didn't really have ethics. <laughs> right. There was no law at the time. You and can't charge someone in the past for a law that exists now. So University of Iowa got off completely scot-free. Oh. But Mary Nixon is one of them. And she says, by word of her lawyer, she says that she's living now divorced said, forgive me, I believe it's widowed, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's widowed. And she is living in a nursing home and she is described as her lawyer by a recluse. She spent her entire life not having meaningful relationships, struggling with social interactions. Mary Tudor Jacobs, her name gives me a real struggle for some reason. It's a big three, uh, it's, a, it's a really weird three names together. She described the children's interactions after one session 
as complete 360s, like not, not 180s, 360s. They would, they would almost like go in circles, like because they, they beat into them that it was, it's not just like you have a stutter. It's don't ever speak. Don't speak unless you can yeah. stutter. So a lot of the kids would like correct themselves. They would prevent themselves from saying words. Some of them created social tics. So whenever one of them was going to say a word that Mary had pinpointed in one of their sessions, instead, one of, one of the girls would, would snap three times every time she, she meant to say that word instead of saying that word. Wow. Very complete sentence. It's, it's, she would complete the sentence with the snaps instead of saying the word because she, she knew she did it so badly, according to the study, according to the, the professors at the university, according to her peers and, and embarrassment to the people around her. So a lot of these women and, and children and orphans, uh, a lot of them, I don't know why I started off with women. Yeah, they went their entire lives being recluse and suffering psychological issues. One of them ran away mid-study because she was so depressed. She ended up in a correctional institute, like she was 15 or something. What? And he would make it the full six months. She did escape the study, funny enough, by running away. <laughs> yeah, right. That's great. Yeah, it was, it was an, an absolute nightmare as far as these kids goes. So the long-term damage yeah. that was done. Yeah, it was, it was from those six months. Any of them actually stutter. That's what I would write. Yeah, me too. You want to get, you guys want to know the, the results of this? Yeah. Thing? Not a single student developed a stutter. Oh, yeah. no shit. Big yeah. fucking surprise, right? <laughs> what a surprise. Yeah. yeah. Couldn't be less surprised. No, but all these other horrible things happened. Yeah, you Good job. Okay, so you're done doing it the wrong way. What they should have done is they should have, they were going to try an experiment. I'm not, I'm not saying. On orphans, for example. On orphans. Yeah. <laughs> At least like, get someone that, get, if you're going to try an experiment, it's like, okay, I get it. Experiments need to happen. Not, not to that degree. No. But like, if you're going to do that, at least do it with, with, with children or people that actually have a stutter and be like, okay, let's try to fix this. Like the two groups should have been like, one group of people has a stutter. We're going to try and fix these people. And then the other group is do it the other way. But like, you know, we had the group of people that, that talk fine, which still wouldn't work because you think they're just, they're going to end up not talking before they ever develop like any form of stutter because you're not encouraging them to talk. But I think the whole idea of trying to induce stuttering on a person would be very wrong anyway. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Cool. Like, okay. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Giving, it's like, hey, I'm, I want to see what you look like on a wheelchair. So I'm going to break your leg. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do that. No. People. It should, realistically, it should have just been like people that have stuttering see when you yeah. fix them and positively like, you know, yeah. work with them that way. So and actually. Like, don't induce it. Just fix it. Why? Why do? Like, yeah. Yeah. Right. Actually <laughs> bring to right. light one of the, the questions I was going to bring forward at the end. So. One of, one of the, the really heartbreaking things about the story, it, it, it really kills me. This is the, the part that really like hurts. They, they actually say that the information garnered from this study was some of the most important ever garnered on study. So I'll, I'll read you the exact passage here. Patricia Zabrowski, University of Iowa, assistant professor of speech pathology and audiology notes that the data that resulted from the experiment is the largest collection of scientific information on the phenomenon of stuttering and that Johnson's work was the first to discuss the importance of the stutterer's thoughts, attitudes, and beliefs, feelings, and continues to influence views on stuttering greatly to this day. So like his views or because of what they did with children? His views, the studies, a result of the study, not the methods, everything in my stuff <laughs> says it was bad. But, but this is this is the ethical thing I wanted to bring up. And this is kind of the interesting thing about this story. Do you guys know much about the Nazis and Japanese during the World War II? All their like voodoo stuff that they were doing, like that kind of stuff. Like, you know, and, the torture you know, stuff? Sort of torture, yeah. Basically, the Nazis and the Japanese were, they, they were real monsters. They point out a lot of like the war crimes and stuff that they did. But a lot of what they did was scientific experiments. Oh. They, they, they did 
huge, huge medical advancements for things like cancer, radiation, and they did live trials on unwilling experiments. Mm. A big part of why a lot of the Nazi scientists and generals were adopted into American and European culture is because they had that information with them and they brought it. And the sad thing, kind of in the same vein as this Wendell Johnson fellow, a lot of that information is widely used today. You get really, really vastly important information from doing these kinds of studies mm -hmm. because they don't get done. They, they don't get done for really, really good reasons. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When they, when, that some, price to pay for... when some monster does them, yeah. you get incredibly valuable information. Yeah. Wow. The, the Japanese specifically, uh, this is a really off the side movie. Did you guys ever watch, I think it was Midnight uh, Man Behind the Sun? Is from 1988. No, so I I haven't seen it myself. I've watched a six minute clip on YouTube, and that that was enough. <laughs> oh. The the clip that I saw was of the Japanese in was World War II. It's a it's a movie, and and I should say if you guys ever or anyone listening or you guys here look up this movie, it is known as being one of the most horrifying movies ever made. Wow. Like it's it's bordering on a snuff film almost, short oh. of actually murdering someone. The the one clip that I saw, I was shown in high school. And if I'm not mistaken, it was what they would do is the Japanese would take a Japanese woman out into the Arctic. They would have her hold her arms out and then they would pour water on them. Oh just a, a pot of water on both arms. And then it would be another pot of water and another pot of water and another pot of water and another pot of water. And eventually she would be completely icicled on both of her arms. And then they would take a hammer to her arms. Jesus. Yeah. And that is a dramatization in the movie. That is not far off of real life. <laughs> that is what one example. Point to that, though? I don't understand what point to that. Pain threshold? The like... example, of, and I'm, I'm bullshitting here, but what happens to a human body when they're frozen alive? Blood blood circulation, what happens to the veins? I don't know. I'm, I mean, like, I'm full of shit on that. I, one, I, but... I haven't done that study, but I would imagine like freezing cold temperature and pouring water and freezing your arms and then taking a sledgehammer out. The only logical answer would be like your, your arms are just like a break in. Smashed a bit. Very true. But then they, they want to see the, with the their own afterwards <laughs> and see what happens to her arms. Yeah. It, does the blood flow, flow freely? What happens when she thaws out? How many other right. how many other opportunities to get that information do you think we've come across in, in humanity's existence? Probably not very many, yeah. and for good reason. So for <laughs> yeah, that yeah. for that information, like like why would you want to know that? What would be the benefit of knowing that? Don't go and pour water on <laughs> Don't don't freeze alive. Yeah. yeah. A lot of uh, really stupid experiments though. There's there's a lot, but but yeah. we, we say they're stupid. Yeah. But a lot of those experiments are the information from them are, is actively used today. It's valuable. Yeah. Yeah. That the, the, these things have, have not just skated by as like, no, we don't use those because monsters use terrible methods to get them. We're actively using them now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I get guarantee one of us has been in the hospital and seen or been near something that, you know, they've led us along on that trail to get here. So when I said you guys wouldn't like where this story went, uh, <laughs> you remember all of those things, those, those acclaims that he got? Yeah, he got those after the study. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, he had the building named after him. Actually, like, what did they get out of it? Like, what did, well, how did that? Like, if it worked, it would have been very, very good. But like, like yeah. let's let's give another example. In Tuskegee, I'm saying that wrong, Alabama, between 1932? 1932 and 1972, the federal government of America used the poor blacks in that area to just see what happens to men when syphilis goes untreated. Syphilis, the brain disease, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. transmitted brain disease. Yeah, you go crazy is what they found out. <laughs> you go like real legitimately insane. So that's as late as 1974. Our parents were alive. Yeah. 
terrible. That's pretty, pretty brutal, right? So what, what did they find out? They need to go back to the extreme though. Like why go to the extreme? Like, you know, it's, it's something that's like hurting you. You know, you, you can solve it any point. Like this is bad. We don't need to like, we don't need to go to the extremes because we're not going to let it go to the extremes. We're going to find, we're going to try and like cure it or like prevent it. Letting it get to the extremes would probably be clue to solving it potentially. Like all yeah, of the people that died from HIV and AIDS, God rest them. There's no humanity uh, involved with it. There's, there's no humanity involved. You they know, don't care. When you think of poor black people, the same as you think of mice, <laughs> you're not so afraid of testing on them. When you think of orphans as less yeah. or lesser than, you're not afraid yeah. of testing on them. Head of the University of Pennsylvania's Bioethics Center said that from the 2003 perspective, he conducted a hugely unethical project. 2003. But 60 years ago, ethical rules did not exist. And experiments were done using minorities, mm -hmm. disabled children, or prisoners. And he says, because you didn't think of them as morally equivalent to others. So when you say, why did they have to go too far? They say well, they don't care how far they went. <laughs> yeah. They're less. They're disposable. Yeah. If I can save a white person's life, well, well, able-bodied white person's life, and I have to throw away a, a poor, black, disabled child prisoner <laughs> to combine all of those into one mm. you do it without thinking unfortunately that was the thinking in 1939 and yeah, yeah. putting 22 kids through this was not a big deal i mean kids yeah. like orphans yeah <laughs> yeah i guess the orphans yeah. was the kicker yeah they they hadn't had enough yeah so that that's about all i've got for this one that's uh, bad Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for, uh, thank you for <laughs> follow along with our really like, very great story in a hot minute here in a shower later <laughs> yeah Mary, actually, I could ball for another hot minute here. Yeah, as far as Mary Nixon goes, the, the woman who sped, sorry, led the suing in 2003, three years after they found out what was done to them. Yeah, she, she, spent, she spent her life with a loss of self-esteem, other detrimental effects seen in adult stutterers, thinking that she had a speech impediment her whole life. She fully believed that she did have a speech problem, despite not having one. She just didn't speak. You know, if, if you're wondering how people go their whole lives without saying a word, it's because enough people tell them not to talk. Right. Yeah. Apparently yet. Well, don't give them the option to talk. Yeah, exactly. Apparently of the three women, the attorneys spent the entire time during the lawsuit shooing interviewers away because obviously these women did not want to speak. So they, they effectively had their voices taken away. <laughs> they, they couldn't even complain. They were, they were unwilling to, to interview and actually talk to anyone about anything. They couldn't do anything publicly. When the University of Iowa finally got it out, and it was kind of like shown what they did. Yeah, they, they fully, they fought the lawsuit every step of the way. The women actually, the children, the th three, the reason I keep saying women is because the three people who sued were women. Right. Mm. Everyone else was of varying sexes. Like the, to show the, <laughs> the, the silliness of the, of the test in its entirety, they, they spent a significant portion of time testing whether the, the stutterers, and I say stutterers, while well, none of them had stutters, uh, whether they were left-handed or right-handed because they, they believe people that were left-handed had some kind of physical anomaly in their body that like went up into them and, and affected their, their speech. Wow. They, they spent a significant amount of time on that. Majority of people were, were right-handed, by the way, with a couple being left, and they found no reasonable results regarding that. <laughs> yes. So random. Absolutely ridiculous. Yep. Yep. So that, that's about it. I think that's about all I've got here. Their life was really, really rough. Everything was awful. The speeches were terrible. The Nazis were also bad. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> all right, yeah. It might be as empty, so that's all we have time for. So find us on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and on your preferred platform for podcasts. We put a secret link in on Twitter today for you all to check out.
We are generally grateful we stuck around to the end. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time. Thanks, Thanks everyone. everyone.